I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother, uh, my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and joining me today, Fox speech language pathologist, Tyler Young. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jim. How are you doing today? I am good. And I've heard that, uh, I, I actually know this as a fact, you are in your car right now. I am in my car. This is uh, this is true. This may be uh, attempt number two. At ma- uh, I'm trying to make this work. A little behind the scenes going on there. <laughs> so you're in between patients, right? Yes, correct. I uh, was at one assisted living facility this morning. Uh, I'm at um, another one right now. And um, I'm uh, yeah in the, in the car just because it's a little better acoustics. And your claim to fame is you drive more than any other clinician on your team. Is that correct? Probably correct. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, like this hasn't been officially verified, but uh, <laughs> I would put some money on it. I would. You would be the Iron Man of Fox Rehabilitation in yeah. the Northeast <laughs> Illinois region. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tyler, happy Better Speech and Hearing Month to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's always nice to have this month of the year to have SLPs be recognized and to but just to bring more awareness to uh, the whole field in general. Maybe this is a dumb question, but you know, there's OT month, there's PT month. Why is it not SLP month? That's a great question. I'm not <laughs> sure if I could venture it. I guess it might be that the SLPs didn't want to draw attention to themselves and just draw attention to <laughs> speech and hearing in general, you know? <laughs> Although we do deserve some recognition because some, some, sometimes it does feel like speech can be a little bit of an afterthought. Not to condemn any, like, no. PTs or OTs, but it does seem like we, speech gets kind of the, like, the butt end of the stick, you know? No, we, <laughs> so. we, we have discussed that, actually, a bunch on the Live Better Longer podcast. Is, really? Is there beef between disciplines? No, nah, I don't think so. Not at all. Okay. Um, I think I think it's just when it comes to like how the rest of the medical profession views like rehabilitation in general, it seems like speech is kind of an afterthought. You know, okay. it's kind of viewed like PT and OTs are more important and, spe- and oh, and and their speech therapy. You know, so it's like that's all there is now between the disciplines. I don't think there's any sort of like you know beef or <laughs> rivalry or anything. All right, so it is Better Speech and Hearing Month, and I'm always interested in origin stories. So yeah. why did you choose to follow the SLP path? It took me a while to come to that. Uh, I was a young college student, you know, in my first couple of years and not really sure what I wanted to to you know do with my life. I changed majors about like four times probably even before finding speech therapy. It's it's interesting. The year I think I was it was in my sophomore year of college. Uh, a little movie called The King's Speech came out. Yes. Um, 
about King George VI and his journey to receiving um, speech therapy for his own stuttering and uh, navigating to help him give public speeches and wartime addresses. And it, it deeply resonated me for a co- or with me for a couple of reasons. Uh, I walked out of the theater and I thought, you know, I grew up stuttering. I still do stutter, by the way. Uh, and I can relate to it on such a deep level. Maybe I should be a speech therapist. You know, maybe this is my way of helping people. So that night I looked into the major and what it would take to become an SLP, you know, decided to go to school another like five years after that and uh, learned that the field had had a big, long name of speech language pathology. And uh, the rest is history. Here I am. Tyler, that's an incredible origin story. <laughs> well, thank you. And then I need to know, how did you begin working with older adults? Yeah, so um, the path to working with older adults and uh, this population took more time and experience within the field. I realized during grad school for speech, uh, for speech pathology that while I was passionate about helping people with their stuttering, which you usually see more children receiving therapy for than adults, I was also more interested in working in the medical field than working in schools or an mm-hmm. educational setting. I more or less came to this side organically in my internships, like working with older adults. Working with adults isn't what got me into the field. Mm-hmm. I've come to enjoy working with older adults. And my I feel that my experience as a person who has a stutter still very much fuels my passion for helping people to communicate, especially when it comes to working with patients with conditions like apraxia, dysarthria, or even aphasia. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. Aphasia is being discussed a lot because of the recent diagnosis of Bruce Willis. So especially in the age of social media, you know, where everyone thinks they're a healthcare professional just by reading like an article online, what can you a professional tell us about aphasia. Yes. So thank you for asking. Aphasia, uh, as defined by the American Speech Language Hearing Association, or ASHA for short, aphasia is an acquired language disorder that's caused by damage to the brain. That's kind of the most basic boiled down definition possible. Acquired language disorder caused by damage to the brain. With the Bruce Willis story, there's just a bit of some of the ways that it's being talked about, it's clearly a misunderstood condition, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, to understand aphasia, you also need to understand the components of language skills. We like to boil it down into two overarching components. There's uh, receptive language, or how well one understands language. And then there's expressive language skills, or how well someone uses language to express themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Receptive language can be further separated into auditory comprehension and reading comprehension. And expressive language can be further separated into verbal expression and written expression. With aphasia, depending on the cause and the areas of of the brain that have been damaged, people can have difficulty with any number of those skills to varying degrees. There's too many types of of aphasia to get into on this podcast, but I hope that just gives you a good general overview. In the case of Mr. Willis, I mean, I, I want to start by saying I'm a huge fan of Bruce Willis and his as, movies. As uh, am I. Huge diehard fan. Sixth Sense, there's just too many movies to name. His family released the statement on March 30th saying that he was, quote, uh, he has been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. 
As a result of this, and with much consideration, Bruce is stepping away from the career that has meant so much to him. This is a, uh, really a challenging time for our family, and we're so appreciative of your continued love, compassion, and support. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the official statement that they gave and everything. And um, So you said aphasia is caused by damage to the brain? Yes, correct. So what kind of damage are we talking about? Are we talking yeah, so- aneurysm, like a blow to the head? The most common cause of aphasia is from stroke, uh, whether that be a hemorrhagic stroke, like in the case of an aneurysm or a um, ischemic stroke, like caused by a blockage. It can also be caused by traumatic brain injury, tumors, cancer, and sometimes degenerative uh, neurological diseases, such as forms of, of dementia. As far as symptoms of aphasia, there's a few symptoms that you'll see that'll be quite obvious a lot of times depending on the severity of the event that occurred. There are two predominant types of aphasia, which are often referred to as fluent and non-fluent aphasia. Putting it simply to illustrate the difference between those two, with fluent aphasia, a person may be speaking easily and fluidly, but in a way that doesn't make sense, or Mm -hmm. uh, with some non-words. And with non-fluent aphasia, a person is usually struggling to get words out. It's clear that they're putting forth a great deal of effort. You also may notice in someone with aphasia difficulty understanding what's being said to them, difficulty with uh, spelling or writing, and also difficulty with reading words. So what has the, the media gotten wrong, in your opinion, about aphasia? For one thing, aphasia is not a disease in its own right. There's always an event or a disease that's causing it to happen. It doesn't happen in isolation. The family chose to disclose it as being aphasia, and that's what he was diagnosed with. There obviously is something else going on, and that's obviously their right to withhold any like formal diagnosis. You know, I mean, I want to respect right. the you know family's wishes here, but aphasia is always a symptom of something else that has occurred or some other disease that might be underlying. Also. Aphasia is just disordered language. Cognitive impairments can happen with it. But it's not aphasia. Now, if I were to give a professional, unofficial diagnosis for Mr. Willis, I would assume it's possible that he has frontotemporal dementia. Mm -hmm. Um, And with him in particular having the subtype primary progressive aphasia, the reasons for that, it's been seemingly progressive in nature. There are reports of him having difficulty with language and with cognitive skills over the past few years. I can't speak to the validity of some of the, you know, reports of things, so I'll kind of leave right, all that Right, because there's, out. yeah, there's, article, yeah there's articles out there yeah. that would say exactly. he forgot his lines on set and people would have to yes. remind him, and then sometimes he would slur his words. Yeah, people like coaching him and kind of shuttling him or, or him around sets, him being confused on set, things like that. So another reason that I think that it could be that he could have frontotemporal dementia like if it had been caused by stroke brain injury or cancer uh i feel like the pre- like the family would have released that first they would have led with that or we would have heard about that a while ago mm-hmm. um other actors and celebrities have had aphasia in, in the past and and recovered and his family seems to be shielding him from public appearances presumably because of cognitive decline uh and this is common when like celebrities have 
have Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. I also think it could be this diagnosis because he has, it sounds like he has cognitive impairments as well, like uh, changes in his memory, behavior, executive functions, and his personality. It would also explain if he was diagnosed with primary progressive aphasia, it would explain why they're referring to it as aphasia. It's obviously also another possibility that he had an undisclosed brain injury or stroke or something. This is just me, you know, making guesses. I I had a a question about aphasia. Say if you're in your 20s and you maybe do a lot of stunt work or you take a lot of blows to the head, could you get aphasia many years later? That's a good question. Because you can get aphasia in your 20s, say, if you had like a traumatic brain injury or something um, or had a stroke in in rare cases for, for being in your 20s. But I don't know if it can have a latent effect like that without it being like some form of dementia or um, something like that, which actually frontotemporal dementia is the leading cause of of dementia for people that are in their for like between the ages of 40 and 65, which in this case also Mr. Willis would have been. So Tyler, your father has aphasia, correct? Yeah. So my dad, he has primary progressive aphasia. He was diagnosed with it in November of 2018. And yeah, it can, it definitely has um, a difficult effect on families. That's, I think, the main reason why this Bruce Willis story hit me harder, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, made me kind of really like resonate with it. I feel that his experience, from what I've read, is similar to my dad's. And so that's why I, you know, make the automatic jump to primary progressive aphasia. And I, I acknowledge the, you know, heavy bias that I have there. So, Tyler, how does aphasia affect an individual in their family? It all depends on the things that have caused it. In the case of my dad with frontotemporal dementia and primary progressive aphasia, it happens very slowly over time. And, you know, it's diagnosed only years after symptoms first occur. My dad, he was diagnosed in November 2018, but for a couple of years beforehand, we were noticing cognitive changes, noticing some, you know, mild like memory impairment, trouble thinking of the right words and everything. Um, trouble with executive functions. And so when things were diagnosed, it was a bit of an explanation as to like, yeah, I mean, this is why everything's happening, you know? Um, Now, in the case of a stroke and brain injury and everything, it's very sudden. And the effect that it has on families then is just so difficult, no matter when it is, just because of how essential communication is to us as as a species, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, we're social creatures and to have that robbed from you is very difficult and for the caregivers involved too you know you suddenly you know for the for the person with the aphasia they're not able to express themselves how they want to if at all and they might even be further isolated because they might have trouble understanding what things are being said to them you know and then for the family, it's obviously difficult too, because they're trying to, they're trying so hard to communicate with their loved one. And it's so hard to, you know, figure out what it is that they need. But that's where speech therapy comes in, you know? Yeah, that was my next question. As an SLP, how do you treat aphasia? How do you keep someone with aphasia socially engaged? 
There are a lot of different approaches that SLPs take. Some of it obviously depends on the cause of the aphasia and the language skills affected. Uh, For people who had a sudden neurological event, like a stroke or brain injury, or even a tumor that's resulting in the brain damage. From what we know about neuroplasticity, there is hope for recovery in most cases. Uh, like maybe not full recovery, but there's hope of, you know, of it being better than where it is like initially after the event. In these cases, speech therapy is often quite intensive. Uh, some approaches have been found to be useful in uh, in rehabilitating language skills. I'll say some of them by name, but not go into how they work because there's entire college courses on this. Um, <laughs> but there's uh, constraint-induced language therapy, conversational script training, verb network strengthening training, melodic intonation therapy. People may have seen this where it's like, have people with aphasia tap into memory of songs and you might hear people singing because that is a separate area of the brain. Wow. Uh, and, and you can actually shape then, you can shape that like musical area to speak in a more kind of sing-song way. So that's kind of a way that, depending on the type of aphasia, that's a treatment approach that can be useful. There's semantic feature analysis, copy and recall treatment for writing. So those are like the more rehabilitative approaches, right? Yeah. Another thing we do is to help the patient and their families by providing education about aphasia um, and to train compensatory communication strategies, both for the patient and for the family members by teaching them like supported conversation techniques. And a third treatment technique in some cases is involving alternative and augmentative communication or AAC modalities, which can range from being no technology at all, such as like a printed communication board, mm-hmm. all the way up to like high tech devices, like whether that's through using like a dedicated device with, you know, eye gaze and things depending on their physical limitations or just using like an iPad with apps. And there's a lot more possibilities with that these days. Hey, Tyler, you talked about supportive conversation techniques. Yes. Could you, could you take us through one just as an example? With supportive conversation, typically what it's about is to be patient and to involve other modalities. So Usually, I tell people to have a whiteboard and dry erase marker nearby or even just like a bunch of sheets of paper and pencil because writing out the messages in conjunction with saying them like that I would be saying to the person with aphasia is very helpful for their comprehension of of what's being said. And then also like writing out, let's say that I'm trying to help a caregiver with asking them like what they would like to eat for lunch, right? Mm -hmm. Something as simple as that. Rather than asking the open-ended question, what do you want to eat for lunch? I would tell the caregiver to give them options and write them out. That way, if they're having trouble with saying it, they could like point to it on their on that sheet, you know. Writing is just a helpful a helpful way of giving a visual representation of the conversation being had. This is fascinating to me cuz it's almost like you're working out different parts of the brain. Absolutely. For sure. That's what it's all about is, um, you know, trying to to regenerate connections, as much connection that can be had with the damaged part of the brain as possible. But for the most part, those areas of the brain that have been affected, if those cells are like have been cut off and they're going to be cut off more or less permanently, but but new connections can be made, you know, like new new neural pathways can be built to kind of circumvent 
the areas that have been damaged. Yeah, this sense. is this is good stuff, Tyler. So Absolutely. how can we find out more about aphasia? Are, do you have any good resources you could recommend to everyone, especially since we are leading into Aphasia Awareness Month? Yeah, so my favorite, my go-to that I give people is the National Aphasia Association, which is at aphasia.org. And they have just a lot of resources for finding support groups, finding treatment options, like whether it's speech therapy, what have you, finding education just about aphasia and what it is. It's, I would say, the largest organization that's involved with specifically aphasia. And then also there's some good resources just at the American Speech Language Hearing Association website, which is asha.org. They have a lot of good resources as well. And if you uh, live in the Northeast Illinois area and you see a guy with a beard driving around town, you may be able to ask him a question or two. Absolutely. I'm here to help, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So with that, we're going to take a break. We've got more with Tyler Young next on the Live Better Longer podcast. I hope everyone is enjoying Better Hearing and Speech Month. I've been messing that up all month long. I started off the month calling it Better Speech and Hearing Month. I corrected myself, but then sometimes I slip. And I've probably been slipping this entire episode. So apologies to all of the SLPs out there. But if you don't, here's what you need to do. Follow Fox Rehabilitation on all of our social media channels. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter. And if you've been following us on Instagram, you should know that every Friday during Better Hearing and Speech Month, we've been giving out a $100 gift card to a different deserving Fox Speech Language Pathologist. And the last giveaway is this Friday. And what we do is we record the reactions of our SLPs. And it's always good to see the reaction of someone who just won a $100 gift card. So like I said, if you don't already, make sure to follow Fox Rehabilitation on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. My name is Jim Shear, chatting with speech-language pathologist Tyler Young. How have you been enjoying Better Hearing and Speech Month? You know, I've been uh, taking advantage of all those free like free perks at restaurants and things. I'm just kidding. I wish those existed. Um, they, should, they should exist. They should. You're right, Jim. You're absolutely right. I'm going to take this up. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> No, um, you know, I've just been, uh, you know, treating my patients same as ever, getting recognized through Fox and everything at the meeting and everything. And um, I think, you know, the regional directors usually do a little a little treat or something for the different disciplines in their respective months. So that's nice. It's also my anniversary this month. It'll be six years of marriage this year. So yeah, love you, babe. That's Um, nice. Yeah. So, (laughs) yep. Can't forget that. Yeah. yeah would, would you like she, to? She's also would, she's also a fellow SLP. So. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. Would you yeah. like to shout out your spouse here on the Live Better Longer yes. podcast? Yes, Christy. Happy anniversary! I love you so much. I uh, can't wait for sixty more years. You know. So. Yeah. <laughs> did you purposely? Absolutely. Did you purposely get married during Better Speech and Hearing Month? Nope. It was com- completely coincidental, <laughs> for sure. And then Tyler, June is Aphasia Awareness Month. So what do you hope 
people take away from Aphasia Awareness Month? Yeah, I mean, I hope that just from this podcast and everything and uh, for the outreach there, uh, I just want people to understand what aphasia is, which is an acquired language disorder caused by brain damage, understand what causes it, things like stroke, brain injury, cancer, or different dementia forms, and to understand that it can improve or completely resolve after brain damage in many cases, and that it's not all hopeless, you know, and also to understand how to talk with someone with aphasia by using like simple messages, being very patient, using multiple modalities, like, uh, like writing things out as, as well as speaking it. And yeah, largely I just want people to know that it exists and understand more about it. Yeah. We have awareness months for a reason. It's not like, Hey, it's so-and-so awareness month. Like the goal is to have at least like a conversation about it. Absolutely. And then Tyler, before you leave, Yes. Do you have any strong opinions on Chicago-style pizza, you living in Illinois? Ooh, so I'm not a native Chicagoan. I do enjoy a good deep dish, oh, but man, I it's it's not my favorite type of pizza. I still prefer a thin crust. I mean, I guess that makes me more a New York-style pizza guy. I don't know. I don't want to put labels on it. Do you, do you say that out loud in the Chicago area? No, no, I definitely keep that to myself. I can't believe I just had that recorded in <laughs> podcast form, but, you know, hopefully no one from Chicago listens to this. Uh, do you know Megan Derrick? No, I do not. All I right. di- uh, yeah. All right. She she may have words with you if you come across oh, her. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I'll yeah. watch out. I'll watch out for any Megan. <laughs> right. So, Tyler, once again, happy Better Hearing and Speech Month and... Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you so much. So for Tyler Young, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yens later. Later.